sit back, relax, you got nothing to lose. What do you think I'm about to show you? The female of the species is more deadly than a male. Show me a movie, you can say it again. Just wait till you see what I did at the end. The female of the species is more deadly than a male. Hello, everyone, and welcome to More Deadly, the Director's Cut, where we speak with the women-identified directors who are making the horror movies we love oh so much. More Deadly is a trans-inclusive podcast where we celebrate the work of cis and trans women, as well as non-binary filmmakers who are comfortable being included in a space that centers the work of women. Joining me today to talk about one of my all-time favorite interviews that we've ever done is the always amazing, the very best podcast co-host and friend anyone could ever hope to have, Ariel. Oh, hello. Hey, I'm girl. so glad we're doing this today. I am thrilled that we got this interview. I cannot wait for people Dude. to listen to it. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this honestly, like we've talked to amazing women and I'm always so inspired by them and so excited to like get into their heads and get their perspectives. But yeah. this, this one just is really special, I think. Yeah, I, don't know about I agree. You. I agree. When we talked to Rachel Talley, that had kind of a funny story how that came about. I messed up some facts. Um, <laughs> but usually it's because a new movie is coming out and then we reach out and we ask to talk to them. And like, you know, we pursue yeah. these interviews in sort of traditional ways. And they're always really amazing. And we're grateful for all of them. But this is another one of those ones where it kind of happened in a strange and kind of like fateful sort of way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So to be clear... This episode, we're going to be talking to Elizabeth Eshook, who is the director of The Book of Birdie, an episode that we did be like one back um, when Caitlin from Plug It Up was on and we had like the most amazing conversation. It was a movie that you had been dying to talk about Dying. Forever. Yes. There was so much catharsis and finally doing that episode. <laughs> I know. And then fortunately, we loved it and thought it was a beautiful lyrical masterpiece. Yeah. But, you know, we always do our background. We always do the bio. And you did this like amazing research. And during that, a fact came up <laughs> that I was yeah. like, hold, pause, wait. <laughs> I have follow-up questions. So many follow-up questions. So many follow-up <laughs> questions. And yet no one apparently had asked them. And that, of course, is about the jars of blood that she was surrounded by while she was writing this film. Yeah. Um, I needed to know the source. I needed to know the reason. I needed to know everything. And so I jokingly said, as I sometimes do on the show, like, Elizabeth, if you're out there, slide into the DMs. I have questions. Cut to a week later. I'm out of my business. And lo and behold, who should slide into my DMs <laughs> but Elizabeth Ishuk? Like, I mean, she's hilarious. She's like, it's me sliding into your DMs. I have answers about the jars. <laughs> like, so you know, funny. we shout into the void. And yeah. like, sometimes the void is rad and shouts back. <laughs> right. Every once in a while. But I really did not, especially because this wasn't a brand new movie. I right. didn't think the director would be like at all aware that we were doing a review. Right. Right. Yeah. 
So Fortunately, cool. she seemed to like the episode yeah. <laughs> or she probably wouldn't have slid into the DMs. <laughs> Honestly, the conversation we had is so great. Like if we talked about the jars. Obviously, we talked about the jars. We had to talk about the jars. But like that is such a small portion of this wide ranging conversation that we had with her. Yeah, I mean, she really talks a lot about like what went into making the movie and her thought process behind all of the different things that we loved so much about it. She also clarifies some things about the <coughs> ending and <coughs> some things <coughs> that <coughs> happens <coughs> to a certain character. <coughs> Him. <laughs> Rachel may, unfortunately, have been proven right yet again. <laughs> but I'm so gracious in my victory. That's That's the part that's really impressive, I think, is my grace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, we have like such an awesome conversation with her. We ask her all of our questions and like all of your questions, everyone's questions, and she answered them all beautifully and so much more. There may be some cameos of props from the film <laughs> yep. that show up. Honestly, it's it's a spectacular interview. One of the most fun ones we've done. We laughed so much. Unfortunately, some of the greatest stuff had to go on the cutting room floor because we may have gotten some sneak previews of things that you can't know about mm-hmm. yet. But I will give you one heads up. There was a little bit of an audio problem on my end. My fault. So the audio is pretty good. We d- we spent a lot of time cleaning it up. It's not perfect. But I don't – believe it or not, I don't talk that much in this interview because honestly, she has it's mostly, so it's many mostly amazing Elizabeth. things. Elizabeth. Yeah. Yes. So I apologize for some of the little sort of the like – glitchiness of my audio i promise we did the best we could to clean it up um i don't think it ruins it by any stretch but just just so you know like that's what's going on with my audio and we're aware of it and we fixed it and don't worry about it moving forward but we did not want to stop that for you guys from hearing the amazing things that elizabeth had to say and ariel is also ariel fascinating <laughs> she is at one point i was like do you ever just like wake up in the morning and look in the mirror and go like I'm the most interesting person on the planet. <laughs> she said no, but I'm not convinced. I know. I'm not convinced. How could you not? <laughs> yes. All right. Ariel, shall we get into this interview with Elizabeth? Yeah, let's do it. Our close personal friend, Elizabeth? Yeah, of course. <sighs> let's get into it. So first of all, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. We are so excited um, that you reached out to us. I mean, it's kind of a joke normally when you're like, hey, director so-and-so, if you're listening, DM me. So to have you respond blew our minds. It was, I, I'm telling you, I screamed and I was like, screenshotted it and immediately sent it to Ariel and Caitlin, our guests that week. We're like, oh my God. <laughs> we were thrilled. Um, yes. But you know. It was kind of a first for me too. Nobody's ever asked me to slip into their DMs before. So I was like, well, I don't know. <laughs> Well, I'm so glad you did because we loved your film, as you know, and we have so many questions about it. (laughs) So, okay. So let's start. First of all, we know that you have an art background and we loved all of Birdie's like makeshift shrines that she created for her religious ceremonies. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about your thought process behind these and how you went about creating all of that artwork? Well, that's a great question. Um, yeah, so I'm from a set design background and a storyboard background, and I trained in classical, classical art. So, you know, painting, opera, backdrops, kind of like cool. traditional, traditional. Um, and then I really got curious about film and went into the VFX way into storyboarding. So 
Um, but all that painty, crafty stuff from, you know, it stays with me. I do it as, as much as I can. It's like, I'm like a magpie. I've got to like make little things. Um, it's almost a compulsion. Like you, you, especially if you're on set and you're dressing it and arranging it, it's like, oh, the little flower here, the little star here. <laughs> so, I, mean, I just collect things like all the time. And uh, I, so when I was envisioning Birdie, I'm like, okay, well, we have like no money. So, and I mean like laughable amounts of money. I mean, there's kids shooting cheaper things on iPhones, I know, but um, we, we were so low budget. I'm like, okay, what can I do extremely precisely uh okay well then you know props okay i can do the props uh, <laughs> i'm like okay post christmas what's going to be on sale uh and then what can i borrow Word. from like my old university in chicago wow. and what can i make myself and so of course i'm also really passionate about the topics and things so you know the the most interesting thing about like catholic churchism is like all the symbolisms and like yes you know the reliquary boxes and like all the the little weird the little nitty gritty uh bits and bobs that like make it interesting and i was like well let's get those in let's make her fascinated by them let's like you know what what plastic yard statue can we repaint uh to look more <laughs> realistic <laughs> like, so it was a lot about using uh playing to the strengths i knew i could get a choir i knew i could get some great actors from chicago or my hometown in kenosha because they're right there um and so i knew okay singing can be a part of it art can be a part of it this location i've been obsessed with since i was a child it was like five minutes from my house growing up and um i just loved it was the only cool looking old building like it was the oldest of the cool looking old buildings in town there's not that many gothic structure gothic looking <laughs> wisconsin so i was obsessed with that and like the creepy stories so i was like okay creepy put these components together and make as small and precise a movie as I can so I can really focus on it and do all the little detail work. And like making props is like the fun part. If you recall from the movie, we have the reliquary here with the <gasps> finger. Oh my gosh, look at so that! Cool. <laughs> a little breakdown here. Uh, this is like a quick antique necklace that like I found in a, an antique shop. My dad actually spotted it in an antique shop. Uh, like one of the modern ones in Wisconsin. And then this is a $12 box I got off eBay. That's like a, that I kind of added some little plastic jewels from like what? Michael's to. Then I lined the inside with velvet and oh made like a little plastic bag. <laughs> little, this is like, you know, some <gasps> there it is. Oh my gosh, the finger. <laughs> um, and you know, I've still, Oh, I guess I forgot Ignatius was in here. We just moved house. You never know where these oh things are. Oh, my goodness. Ignatius, <laughs> too. That's so cool. So you, so you put in the little details. And I love traveling in Europe. I, I've seen, a, I'm just obsessed with like old churches and things. So mm -hmm. we're, I checked like what kind of little bits and bobs would be written in it and things. So we just recreated it as cheaply, but like precisely as I could. Because, you know, yeah. this is huge in the screen, but tiny in, in the grand scheme of things. So... So yeah, so just whatever we could do for fun. Um, and since we have a VFX company, I didn't try to overdo it. There was less snow than we'd like that year. Um, <laughs> it looked like a lot to us. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was a cold shoot though. <laughs> it sounded it like looked it. like a cold shoot. Definitely, definitely. But like we are a frail West Coast people. We, we do not have the hardiness to handle. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, that's amazing. I mean, it's beautiful. And I love you referred to yourself as a magpie, but I kind of love the idea of Birdie being that she's always kind of picking up little pieces and weaving it into her own kind of art and the her own ritual and her own sort of worldview. Because like there is a tapestry in her head that we just barely get like a peek at through the art that she <laughs> creates. Yeah. 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 It's so detailed and layered. We were extremely impressed. And I think that you could tell watching the movie that it was created by an artist, not somebody who is just a filmmaker. So yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Get ready. We're just going to keep piling it on. So I hope you're comfortable with com- compliments. Yeah. <laughs> we we did have a lot of fun doing the animated sequences too, because I thought, okay, well, it's the book of Birdie. And as we were finishing up the edit, like something in my head was just like, it needs chapters. It just needs yeah. chapters. And so I, and I already kind of knew what the themes of the different sections were. Um, and so I thought, well, since I was doing the credit sequence anyway, that kind of cloudy thing, mm-hmm. that's yeah. it's based on a, a classical cloud work. So I just recreated that with ink. And then um, we moved it. it my, I did the 2D and my husband put it into 3D. So the little pieces moved and we made it look like old paper, so cool. but it's all, um, it's real ink and then some Photoshop and then some post VFX making it all move. So it looks very crafty, but it's it's kind of high tech and low tech at the same time. Yeah. Um, I thought, well, this was really fun. Can we do more of that in the rest of the film to kind of break up the sequences and let you know what's coming and like be a part of her, like her vision and her foretelling. So, yeah. Oh, I love it. I mean, anytime I see a chapter situation, I'm always, I don't know, (laughs) that is a trope that I always respond very positively to. But (laughs) when Ariel was like giving us the bio and she started talking about your background and I was just like, oh, she made those. I know it. I know it. (laughs) That's what you're about to tell me. (laughs) (laughs) Incredibly impressed. It's so beautiful and so artistic. And I think all of these little details really tell you so much about Birdie and her internal life and her connection to religion or spirituality. I think it just adds so much to the movie. We were so impressed by that. Oh, thank you. One of the things that I think we loved the most about your film is this sort of revolutionary way that period blood is treated. You know, so often in society at large, and especially in horror movies, women are shamed for their periods, right? You have like Carrie is the most iconic one you can think of, or just like humiliated by it, right? And the most terrifying thing I think that any of us went through as teenage girls is bleeding through your clothing and having somebody notice it, right? But in your film, Birdie's treats her blood as something beautiful, as something sacred, and she doesn't feel shame about it. And none of the nuns make her feel shame about it either. And so I was just wondering if you could talk about why that became such a focal point in your film. Yeah, I mean, the character herself, I, I, I think you mentioned it in the in the other show. Um, when it popped into my head, uh, this character of Birdie, I was like, you know, dealing with some issues myself and it was heavy bleeding and stuff. And I was like, oh my God, mm. it would be funny if we had a character who, instead of thinking, oh no, if she thinks it's a superpower and in my head like the the secret title to the script until we got the book of birdie we, i called it bleed girl oh my gosh i love that um or bleed hard oh that's a good one too <laughs> I was, I was considered but next title um 
went to not serious enough uh <laughs> but in my head it's still that is I, I feel like that could still potentially be a sequel name like bleed hard Two, the sequel yeah. <laughs> uh, would watch would watch <laughs> or, or what happened to prudy you know she she's a crazy one to be yeah. fun to follow through again um but yeah so i wanted this character who just like mistook it for a superpower and at first i thought maybe i'll take it literally like pew pew like popping out tampons superpower um but rain it in a bit uh, <laughs> and I, I also had this nightmare that i woke up and i was in a convent and i hadn't chosen to go to the convent and it was me like my current personality me not yeah. some like other person waking up and i was so mad and i was like i hadn't yeah. chosen to be here why am i even here? i'm not even what, is, what i was so confused <laughs> and, so and i was thinking like well I, I know I want this character of bleed hard girl and super, and I knew that she needed to be like trapped somewhere kind of singular because budget. And right, right. I was like, where is she? Where is she? And then I was like, Oh, Kemper, Oh, convent. Oh, uh. and then I started <laughs> thinking back and you know, there, there's that around 1962 with like Vatican II, like they, they started closing down a lot of convents. So that's about when that convent in my city closed and became just mm -hmm. like a school and then became like an event space, um, a beautiful event space, totally haunted. You can rent it. Um, <laughs> the ghosts will lock up for you. But yeah, so I I just thought, you know what? And I was a little scared to do it. I was like, oh, this is going to make me so gross and so weird. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. I've been dealing with this for how long? And it, I was in like my like mid 30s. I, I was when I actually noticed that it wasn't normal how much I was bleeding. It was like eight times, 10 times what you're supposed oh, to do. Wow. Like, like in your whole thing, but in like a day. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. I just thought I was like really wimpy. Oh, <laughs> man. And I had a summer where I, I just, it, it kind of uh, coalesced in that I, I'd gone like 40 days straight of hard bleeding and I was starting oh, to get a little trippy. And I was I like, well, this is an interesting state of being. Yeah. Um and and yeah, so that that actually was really conducive to like kind of channeling how does this feel? Like how you know, if you take the movie in a literal sense, she's just someone with an extreme iron deficit losing her mind. Right. Um like if it's if you want to be super literal, that but also it's more fun to think of it the other way. But yeah. the yeah. thinking about it like that, once I decided it was bleed hard, obviously we were going for the blood and we were yeah. going for it as like a superpower and there I'll I'll hear nothing else. Um, yeah. And, and then there's a lot of things like obviously within Catholicism, blood's a pretty big deal. Um you know, you have all the blood sacraments and things. So uh, we may get a cat appearance. I'm so sorry. Yes! <laughs> oh, we love yes! it. <laughs> it would not be an episode of More Deadly if there was not one cat causing chaos. Because between Ariel and I or our guests, there is always a cat moment. <laughs> that is a big, fluffy, beautiful cat. What is their name? This is Pasha. She is a Siberian. Oh, my gosh. Oh, she's she's gorgeous. Beautiful. She knows it. <laughs> of course. There's another one that's that's just as puffy, about twice the size, and she's beautiful and she doesn't Aww. know it. She's just Once we combine the blood ritual ideas with the Catholicism ideas and the the superpower, I was like, oh, this is good. And 
The other thing is while we were researching, sorry, I tangent a lot. No, it's um, great. While we were researching, I couldn't believe this, but we found a case. It was in India of this girl named Twinkle who was faking stigmata. This is a modern story. This just happened. So she was faking with her own period blood (gasps) stigmata. And here we thought we were being pretty outlandish. I was like, oh no, this is even wilder. And she like went on TV for it. It's like, oh, look, my stigmata has come. And turns out it was just about monthly that her stigmata would come. And they finally did like a a test on the blood and they figured out it was hers. Um, So, or it was that kind of blood. So Yeah. yeah. Totally. Oh, that's fascinating. Totally groovy. So I thought, well, this is, I, I, to me, it just seemed really fun to treat it in a matter of fact way. Like, this is what's happening. It's not demonic. It's not possessed. Let's, let's, and I've, I've shown sometimes when I've shown trailers to guys, um, I've seen them squirm in a way that you only see like on really, really bad horror stuff. Uh, yeah. Super fun. Yeah, um, I love that. <laughs> Make them uncomfortable. <laughs> I mean, honestly, yeah, we've, we've definitely had some like opposite reactions where it's like, oh, I'm so grossed out or you guys and girls just like, I can't deal. This is too much. And mm-hmm. it's really interesting because while you're doing it, you kind of forget how weird it is. It's, even the stuff like on the cards and, t- tra- you know, mm-hmm. uh, just tasting some, this is happening. Um, yeah, painting things with blood. We loved it. It feels like it's beautiful visually. It feels transgressive. And I also feel like if we could normalize it more, maybe you wouldn't have had to bleed for 40 days before you realized something was up. Yeah. Right? Exactly. It's transgressive and destigmatizing at the same time. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, and like for that the racer in the the swimming at the Olympics who had her period and like said so. And it was like, such a big, it's like, I, I hope more people can feel like, ah, I feel like this, you know, I mean, and not just be scared of it and, you know, let's, let's normalize it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I love that. The population of the world is doing it. <laughs> right. And yeah. I think it's so great too, because not only is it normalizing and destigmatizing, but you're finding real beauty and meaning in mm. it too. Yeah. Well, I think I remember on, on your on your podcast, you were talking about like the visceralness of it, yeah. like remembering what it's like to have a bloody nose and wake up with the cake on the, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. And and that is something you know. I thought, well, if this is going to be a tiny little personal movie, it's like what's the, you know, these are little moments that like you would never talk about or tell right. anyone about. But it's like when you wake up covered in blood a lot as a kid, like you do think about it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> Can I tell one terrible story though about a bloody nose? Sure. <laughs> yes. Obviously. <laughs> I yes. think one of you was saying like you're bleeding, you remember bleeding in the night and stuff. And so, you know, you get a little trippy with it. If it's, too, I'd had one going on for like two hours. I'm sure I was like 12 or something. And um, it's kind of what inspired the opening scene. Uh, and so after I ran out of tissue. And so after a while, it's just like leaning my head and I was just watching it drip. Uh-huh. And, you know, I already like Hitchcock then. So I was already like thinking psycho shower. All the time. <laughs> so I'm just like, ooh, this is fun. Um, I was like, can I paint something with it? So I just, I started whooshing it around. I put some around. And this is, you know, a very 
very tidy, clean suburban house. And like, I, um, I left a note that said I killed the doggy. <laughs> your family to find that point in the night I, I i was that stupid at that point in the night that i thought that was a funny idea um, inappropriate but funny is is sort of a running theme um but yeah so i left i left that note and when i thought oh that you know there's gonna be screaming in the morning like oh my god liz what did you do like you know because we did have a dog um and she was fine unrelated <laughs> I woke up in the morning and it was all gone. So, and I I, I don't really know what happened. (laughs) Okay. That is incredibly, I mean, that's interesting. Like that is, you need to unpack that, that like, I think it speaks to, again, the importance to destigmatize the stuff that it was just sort of like quietly unspoken swept away is very interesting. If I had to guess, I think my dad got up earlier and probably cleaned it up. So it didn't freak my mom out. I'm going to make that makes sense. And also would not say something to you in case it was, period. (laughs) No, no, just bloody nose. (laughs) Okay, so you know know this question is coming because this is like kind of how it all began. But when when we were researching the background for the film, we learned that you had kept jars of blood while you were writing the script. And we were shocked, shocked that no interviewer asked follow-up questions we need to know more was it your blood was it animal blood what were you doing with the blood what did you do with the blood what's up with the blood tell us everything i mean it was a terrible idea right um but uh it's it was one of those things i was trying i was i was going for like 40 days i was getting a bit loopy i you know very low iron um and uh yeah i i just gotten a cup for the first time and they, oh. they were trying to calculate like how much was going to see if it was normal. And so I was like, well, I'm having to measure it. And I'm like, well, why don't I just put it in the chart? <laughs> oh my gosh. So no no one was harmed. You're right. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'll, I'll say it was for medical purposes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but then you kept but it. But also in inspiration. Jar. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it was it was an interesting exercise. It was just for the like the length of the main right of the script, and um, then obviously I got rid of it. But because uh, you don't want to scare people, <laughs> it's mean. not appropriate. You did keep it for for a, a period of a period of time. <laughs> yeah, <Not> exactly. intentional. <laughs> for a spell. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I mean, like. It's both like something um, unexpected, but like having seen the, your creative output, like makes so much sense to me. Like it feels very correct. Um, I didn't, I don't know that I realized how, like I knew the film was personal. I didn't know how many, much of it was like literally drawn from your life. So that is fascinating. That is <laughs> yeah. so I mean, interesting. We were thinking, we were wondering if it, was it period blood or had you like gone to a butcher or was it fake blood? This is so much more interesting. The idea that way better. You were well, we usually have some fake blood sure. from the last movie under the sink in general. <laughs> uh-huh. like, like, I mean, we had a big bucket from Birdie and we tried to save it for the next film. And unfortunately we went to go open it again. It was green. Oh no. So oh no. <laughs> Really good blood, washed out. However, <laughs> doesn't last two, doesn't last two years. Um, yeah, once exposed to air, there's a limited. Um, but yeah, yeah, we usually have some fake blood in the house. And frankly, coming from theater stuff, like we could whip it up with some. Sure. You know, you can do a really reasonable washable one with some dish soap and some blood drops and or some colored 
food coloring drops and stuff in very quickly. So generally we have some around if we need it, but yeah. My God, um, that's amazing. Well, symbolically, <laughs> I think this was much cooler. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can't believe no one we didn't immediately shocked. ask follow-up questions. And like, I looked. I, mean, I looked for so. answers. <laughs> Did you look for Because yeah. I remember asking. I was like, hold, pause, wait, slow down. <laughs> I have questions. <laughs> Would that be considered method writing? I mean, I feel like, yes. you yeah. know, if a really cranky guy actor did it. It'd be right. like, oh, you know, he lived with a blood jar on the side of his bed for a year. Oh, he'd be getting an Oscar I mean, immediately. Or yeah. to talk to him in the night. <laughs> I will say the horror cred, though, that you have earned from this, like, it's hard to beat. It's yeah. like, take that, Romero. <laughs> you don't have your period blood in a jar next to your writing table, okay? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Amazing. And, you know, um, did some of the, okay. Uh, this is, this is, should be top secret. Some of it might've made it on the poster. Really? really? Well, Cause I think it, when I dumped it out, I took some photos. So, oh my gosh. And you know, you're laying a bunch <laughs> of stuff in Photoshop and you want to make sure you have the copyright. And... Right. Yeah. Of course. Oh, oh my gosh. That is so that's cool. Exclusive. <laughs> that's amazing. Honestly, that is it. so cool. Yeah. I love that. That is such a <laughs> rad detail. You know, you talk about blood, sweat, and tears going into the art that you make. Literally. Yeah, you literally did that. <laughs> and I feel like, yeah, that feels, like I said, I keep coming back to the word transgressive and radical. And I think, <laughs> I do think it's, you know, the, the thing that we were so moved by was Bertie's lack of shame. And hearing you talk about this, like, I feel like it's to some degree reflective of you and that is like pretty inspiring it because it takes it out of the realm of fiction you know where she's like an aspirational but fictional character it's different when it's real I don't know I just think that's amazing yeah there's something kind of punk and DIY about that I I really love it (laughs) yes um so one of the things you had kind of mentioned was about the church that it was actually filmed in and that you grew up near it and that there were true stories of a couple of nuns who passed away there. And so I just wanted to know, are these stories you learned later on in life or did you know about them when you were growing up and what was it like filming in this sort of spooky old church? Well, I learned about them pretty young. Like we had, that place was a couple blocks from my house. We had like family anniversaries there, like come, like you'd go there on field trips and stuff like uh, winter plays would be put on there. So it was a place I'd gone to since I was a child. Okay. And we knew there was an observatory and we knew um, that it had nuns and like one of them, she was waiting for her friends to come back from the sea or from the, from the lake. And the the boat went down and she was so upset. She ran down the stairs and tripped over her closet. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Um, some people said she was mean. I don't know. They, you get differing stories on that. But okay. definitely the, the haunted observatory ghost is true and real and would have died exactly on the spot where that That's filming incredible. Was um, and also that's my co-writer Tara who play Anami Tara Shukart is okay. playing. <laughs> Amazing. And doing a good job. Yeah. She was great. (laughs) Just like gave her wrinkles and did funny things to her eyes and stuff. So so she's she's a little jazzed up, but uh yeah, she's she's actually playing the ghost in it. Very cool. Um and the one on the tree, it's not that tree because they took that tree down. There, There was like within the building a little bit closer, there was a tree and a bench to it. And like it was supposed to be haunted if you st- sat on the bench 
Um, and like that nun had hung herself because of a love thing. So oh. we knew that story too. So those stories I absolutely knew. And so I knew Bertie was going to encounter those ghosts. And then we had to figure out like, how scary are they? How are we going to deal with this? Should we do some cheeky, you know, chatty, more Wisconsin-y friendly things? Because there's one, that's one thing about growing up in a Wisconsin suburb is it doesn't feel super magical and scary. <laughs> like, oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, I've been places that feel super magical and scary. That's not one of them. But that building had like the biggest draw of anything. And I remember just riding my bike there and sitting on the side of the lake when I wanted to chill as a teenager. So definitely 100% precedent for most of what goes on with that stuff. Yeah. So that building, I knew the stories we knew. And we always were a little bit, ooh, it's haunted. Um, and then, yeah, shooting in there. On one, there's a section between two buildings that we didn't shoot in. Oh, I think maybe one of the sequence. She's in her socks walking. Um, and uh, it was very cold. We had to keep her keep her socks on. It's very scary, you know, but she's got to keep her socks on. Health and safety. Yes. Winters yeah. and it's cold. cold. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So she, that section of building was really cool. was really freaky. Like, you didn't want to go in there at night. And um, we talked to, like, the, the guy who locks it up and stuff. And, like, lights would go on and off. Like, we would be downstairs oh. building for the day, locked up. Janitor's not there anymore. And we'd see, flick. On an upper oh my floor. Gosh. Oh, no. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> um, so that was really super fun. Um, and a little spooky. And I know I remember like kind of like cleaning and mopping the place and getting it ready before we did the shoot and just kind of like feeling the, the zone of it and like, okay, is this going to be a scary one? Because we'd shot in a very creepy house in Greece in the shoot before that. And it was very maliciously creepy whereas oh. can be a little more a little more playful like it wasn't it wasn't quite as like oh my god so scary but we had two boys on the shoot um my husband Kostas from Greece and also his friend from Greece Diakovos who was our AD and they went down to get something from the the bathroom where we shot the blood on the wall uh-huh. super scared <laughs> oh wow! Oh, no. they were out. I don't know what they saw down there, but they didn't want to go down there alone again. Oh, <laughs> see, boys, no boys allowed. Apparently, <laughs> bathroom ghost doesn't like boys. Wow. That is fantastic. So cool. Now but I have I mean, more follow-up questions. <laughs> now I need to get your husband. Uh, well, I mean, setting is so important because it's so like it adds so much atmosphere. It adds so much having being able to shoot in an actual church added so much like, like production value. The intricacy of that architecture and the iconography is there. And then obviously another part is the performances. Obviously, and I'm gonna preface this with an apology because I'm certain I'm about to say this wrong. But I would Marina love to hear. Yes, <laughs> tell me about the casting because she feels like a find. She is a little gem. Oh, my God. Um, I remember we were doing auditions and I'd come in in October before we shot in January. And it's uh, I, I got the theater at my old high school um, and did the audition there. And I was just thinking, I'm like, gosh, you know, I remember all the girls in school. And it's like, I, I hope, you know, a lot of them are just, you know, cute midwestern cheerleaders and lots of blondes and they're tanned and even in winter and it's like you know <laughs> they, they, you've got that nice sturdy healthy look and I'm like I need someone I need like 
you know, I need my Christina Ricci, I need my Audrey Hepburn, I need my 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 girl who's got the gothic soul. Like yeah. um, and I look I had talked to the local college as well. I said, look, do you have any here, please, any girls who want to audition, please send them over. And I looked at the queue of girls and she was down on the end. And I I just looked and I'm like, oh she's here. I hope she's good. <laughs> <she's perfect." laughs> um, was. For her audition, uh, I had her sing to a jar. Oh. Very because you I know thought, so yeah. half of this film, the poor girl's going to be staring into space and we got to make that engaging. And so I was like, all right, if you can look at an object and make it interesting for me, like, and, and sing a little sad song. Also, I knew she had to be able to sing and we didn't want it, didn't want it to be too forced. So I didn't have them like prepare a Britney Spears song or something and come in. Plausibly sounded okay. Did you not like the camera position, Kat? Um <laughs> No, clearly she didn't. <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> Someone thinks they're the director today. <laughs> yeah, this is super fun. I this is this look is at your room. cool room though. Look at the shape Thank of that you. room. That is rad. Uh, we are in the gothic bit of Montreal here, Ooh, or no wow. Toronto. Sorry, we moved recently. I don't know where I am. I'll say that again. So we're <laughs> we're in <laughs> Cabbage Town, which is a little like Victorian bit of Toronto, oh, and um, cool. yeah, in a in a little Victorian house, and it's adorable. It's beautiful, and, and the windows and the shape of that that room are just beautiful. Find um, and the triple window, I thought Birdie. So I thought, well, we get we, we should honor that. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So Illarita comes in and she sings to this jar and she's, I think she did You Are My Sunshine or something like this. And in like the most adorable and heartbreaking way of, as she would. And um, my sister was there with me at the auditions and I was just looking at her. I was like, She's the one. You know, <laughs> well, girl, we ought to make you a star. You know? <laughs> so, uh, are you going to sign up? Um, so, yeah, so I, it was just, there was no question. She was just the one. I had known some talented actors in Chicago. So, uh, Katie Brazda, who plays one of the nuns. Um, we found Prudy. She's amazing. Katie Haynes. Um, who who just comes in and she's she's a, a flutter, which was like a wonderful kind of counterbalance to to what Bertie was doing. Um, Holly Stanfeld, who plays uh, the choir director nun, she was she's actually great. the first yeah. director who cast me when I was a really oh shy eleven-year-old. That's oh my god! If anybody can get a performance out of a shy teen yeah. and on screen, it's, it's going to be Holly just doing what she does. Like that's her <laughs> story. Is that? wonderful like kind of guiding person um and it was such a a full circle to have her on set as well like that that meant a lot to me so uh, yeah and um oh my gosh our mother superior amazing and like I've, gosh everybody we got in we were, we were so so lucky like with the cast so one of the things that I found so interesting about your movie too is just the portrayal of the different nuns. In horror, we so often get somebody who's stern and authoritative or super abusive even. <laughs> but in your film, there's like these different types of nuns. You've got the firm leader, the sweet and caring choir director, uh, the young kind of ambitious one. And so I guess I just wanted to know if it was important to you to have a more nuanced portrayal of these women. 
Oh, absolutely. Um, like, you know, for as much as I think there's amazing flaws in the institution, holy cow. Yeah. Um, I do feel like a lot of people choose that life for different reasons and some being like, well, this is just the best life for me or I had a terrible home life or that I was called to it or like I and I you touched on it as well for many generations like that was a safe good choice for women to do in life um and it gave you a purpose and somewhere to be and stuff so uh, yeah it was important if we were going super hard into some really sketchy things in terms of like you know we're doing things that would literally be considered blasphemy unless you look at them from birdie's point of view in which case they're like she's like doing things that in another century could be uh crazy signs that she's a saint um you know, mm-hmm. so it's it's either blasphemy or like you know, really inspired divine things, depending on how you look at it. And I knew if we were going really hard that direction, I I felt like humanizing the people around her was really really important. And mm-hmm. you know, some of the sternness. I mean, Susan Suze Crawley, who does uh, Mother Superior, I think she really brought that nice. She she has that little smirk of she's having fun with it, yeah. but also quite scary a little bit too <laughs> so, <laughs> so we wanted that and um my we kind of used some backstories of people from our my co-writer and I's family so um I I had a lovely grandma maybe that wasn't the case in her case uh so it's someone more stern and more like that would be more rejecting if something like this happened um so someone just a little bit colder and not able to kind of be in birdie, like what is this birdie creature? I mean, she's a little bit, you know, who even was her father? Like, like someone that has that kind of like yeah. pushing back. Yeah. So it, we wanted to give them human, human characteristics, not like the, if we were doing sort of an inverted Carrie, it's an, also an inverted nun horror. It's yeah. like <laughs> trying to flip a few of those. Like, what do you expect to happen in a in a scary nun movie? Let's not yeah. do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, your subversion of tropes is definitely another strength of the film. Like, we do. There is some like filmic language that we expect certain things when we see a nun, right? And so to see them vary felt like you gave a lot of internal life to characters that typically are sidelined, which, you know, speaks to larger things about nuns and, you know, all that stuff. But you you talked about how you sort of play with these areas of sacred and profane and flipping them. I'm curious if you ever got any pushback from Catholics or the Catholic Church when your movie came out, because... You know, like you show the beauty of the church, absolutely, and and its ceremonies, and but but Bertie makes up her own, and she does some things that, like I said, could be seen as profane. So, did did you ever get pushback? Um, not really. Uh, we didn't really like. There weren't like our first screening was in Gothenburg in Sweden, and they instantly understood the humor of it. In fact, we we were joined on there was like a panel on like gods and monsters and like uh just kind of discussing like the use of religion in film and like I I was a little bit shocked they asked me because <laughs> <laughs> they're like you're going to represent Catholicism I'm like oh you don't know me <laughs> oh I don't I don't think they'd want me to <laughs> not really want um yeah, so so we kind of 
using it with humor is, is quite fun. So the very first place Birdie went, it was embraced in such an intellectual and seeing through the humor and the intellectual part way. Yeah. And then further screenings, um, like I wasn't quite sure, like when we played more Catholic countries, uh, we, we showed in like Spain and Brazil and things like that. And the audiences really, uh, they were some of the most passionate and some of the most connected I saw. Now, I try not to read the Amazon reviews because I do think there's a few on there that are like, oh, my God, this is so gross or this is wrong or this yeah. is this is Hellspawn or whatever, which I feel like if, you know, you want that bell curve where right. some are going to really, really be like, what the heck is this nonsense? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's right. how you find your peoples. Right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. This is not meant to be like four quadrant. Like this is very <laughs> specific. We just happen to be the center of that Venn diagram. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that though that you got such good responses from audiences when you showed the film because I could see this being something that's a little polarizing, but I also think it's so uh, fascinating and beautiful that I'm glad audiences saw that. You know? Oh, exactly. And we, 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 I was hoping people would go along for the ride of it, even if they're like, "Wait, what?" and and also. We wanted to put a lot of blood on screen in yeah. just a different, scary in a different way. Yeah. Like, yeah. like how do we, how do we do it? Like, cause we didn't really visually like slash anyone in the movie. Right. There's no actual sex. There's no actual swearing even. And I'm a very sweary person. Usually, so <laughs> very, personally very difficult, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's quite a, if you go with the event, it's quite innocent, but like, how do we make that just really also very bloody? Mm -hmm. And sort of, like, that was kind of the, like, how do we make it disturbing, but without like in, in slashing people and stuff and like making the nun's eyes go black? Like, right. like how do we do that? Like, so yeah, because you made a Catholic horror cool. film without an exorcism or a possession yes. story or anything that we normally get. I just think that's so cool. Well, to be fair, after the la the exorcism in the previous movie, we didn't want to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to say, if you're going to do an exorcism, a Greek Orthodox exorcism, don't do it in a house that's super haunted. Oh. And don't have a priest who's maybe got a heart condition. Oh, Check my God. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I feel like we are going to need to do another episode and have you yeah. back so we can talk about that, that one because so we are just starting to unpack that. <laughs> <laughs> you may get another call to slide into the DMs, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> um. So just yeah. to sort of switch topics a little bit, one of the things that we were so touched by was this queer love story that it's at the heart of this movie. I especially was really heartened by Julia bringing Birdie comic books, you know, because it's almost this moment where she makes fun of her a little bit, but then she sees that it means something to Birdie. So then she brings them to her later. It's just so sweet. And oh my gosh, I love their little hideaway too. Because it seemed to me that every time they went there, there was like more decoration there. Like <laughs> Birdie was making this a beautiful place for them. So can you talk about why you decided to include this sort of very sweet relationship, especially in a movie that takes place within the Catholic Church? Oh, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that both Tara and I really wanted to do, we like, I was like, well, I'd seen the stats there's not enough women directors and there's not enough women speaking in film, like, you know, yeah. the whole Bechdel test thing. And I was like, all right, let's just do an all women movie. 
but then it got to a point where it felt natural that she should have like some sort of connection with someone like, cause the whole draw is like, is she going to go towards the saint world or is she going to stay in like the grounded earth plane? So, um, and which direction is she being pulled? And she needed something that would tether her to, to like earthly things to, so it was like, if she had a, a love connection and then we're like, okay, well then, it's going to be a girl. Super. And so we decided to write it exactly like you would have written the same story if it was a boy. Like, so imagine take, take Kitty out and Kitty did a, such a sweet job of being like kind of making fun of her and then flirty mm-hmm. and like, like they really sweet chemistry. Like I just, yeah. I love how the two of them interacted. Um, and it was all very sweet, but imagine you could do the same lines, almost the same costume with a boy nothing would change yeah (laughs) so so, right so we thought let's just do the typical 1950s you know the other kid kind of thing and then yeah we so we wanted something that just felt so natural and like like with the blood it's it's natural it's matter of fact uh we're not it is not the center of her drama it's actually the thing that's making her grounded um, and, and just keeping it really sweet and innocent and real and like feeling, you know, she's exploring herself and her world and she's had a bad experience before this. We don't really get to know what exactly that was, but they do hint in the stairs, you know, something has soiled her in a way. So this is kind of like her spiritual rejuvenation and her like personal, like taking in her own sensuality as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was really important that that feel like that kind of sweet burgeoning puppy lovey kind of thing and just feel really real and really sweet. It did. I love that so much. And especially like you were saying that it was just so matter of fact, you know, Mm -hmm. that it wasn't some big angsty plot device, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I I kept (laughs) waiting for that moment to happen and it was such a relief that it didn't, Mm -hmm. um, that that was never like a, anything they ever even processed. Like at the end, even like there was never, there was never a moment where we're like they reckoned with gender or sex or anything like that. It was just like a normal connection. And I love that. And also it's cool that you got to have an all woman cast as a result of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Speaking of Julia, we had a lot of debate and a lot of different opinions on what happened with her. When you and Ariel were talking online, you sort of alluded to the fact that you actually do have a definitive answer. So we're dying to know. did julia fall on the lake (laughs) so yeah so um i I, well i think gosh in my mind birdie was like 15 i think she was a little older um and so and julia would have been like maybe 17 just just about to go off to college so it's like 15 17 yeah and uh in my mind Julia did go for the cigarette and she did fall in the lake. All and right. <laughs> like, I, I obviously, given it's a small production and what level of insurance you can get for a small production. And we, we just will not like, I'm really, really, really strongly feel like you should never put any actor or crew in harm's way. If you can, right. Sure. Like, right. You should, you just shouldn't. So we're not going to put that girl on the ice. Full stop. That was real ice, real Lake Michigan, real cold. She, you know, actually genuinely dangerous scenario. So we did shoot a little bit more of it, like boot slipping and some stuff. And it just looked kind of cheesy. So we kept it quite minimal in the edit. 
and then um we what i definitely wanted to feel was a question i wanted you to not quite know yeah. um, and i also wanted you to feel like birdie foresaw something bad yeah like so birdie foresees her dead so in birdie's mind she's dead right right Oh, that's so and interesting. I mean, Rachel is never going to let me live this down. First of all, that she was right about not. this. She's going to be bringing this up for years to come. I can already tell. Absolutely. But I, I do like that idea because I, I felt strongly the birdie thought Julia was dead. I just was yeah. like thinking that maybe, you know, she just jumped to that conclusion because they do have that conversation. But if that's all happening in birdie's mind in the same way that she's talking to these nuns, um, that's exactly. really interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah, the I thing is, you don't see it. Right. So right. technically, even though that's what's in my head and like, you know, everybody can have a different opinion of it because we didn't literally show you it. So there is that question that maybe she did survive. Maybe she just freaking left. But the way Birdie reacts is it's yeah. absolutely her, her love just died right. and it's all, it's all bad. Like Ignatius talked to her and yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and showed her that the bad thing was going to happen. <laughs> so, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, I mean, it's interesting because we see her deal with loss in a few different ways. Um, I want to jump back to a, like a slightly earlier plot point, and that is the keeping of the fetus. She Ooh, keeps, yes. she keeps the fetus. She, it becomes part of her art and her ritual. Can you talk a little bit and that feels transgressive, right? Like it's not, she doesn't look at it as a source of shame or something she hides away in a bad way. Like if she keeps it like it's a cherished relic. Yeah, um, exactly. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, there is a, there's a strong tradition of keeping like objects and things um, from, from bodies, from dead bodies, from skulls, from fingers um, in the Catholic church and in some other traditions as well. Uh, so having like, the sacred object and and so her making her own little shrine under the bed that has like the thing she's been collecting so she sees oh look in the church they're worshiping a finger bone okay well in my room i have like she's her little creative mind is seeing the things around her and transposing them into like things she can do and like right. things that she can have for herself and kind of make special so and i think for her it's like it is a special like little creature that she decides like, okay, uh, this is this little bean. I'm going to, I'm going to keep it. All right, cool. Um, you know, she's been keeping her blood in jars. She's been yeah. nice to jar things. Let's face it. <laughs> I, I've sought help. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so that it just, it really felt, it just felt natural. Like once I, you're in the head of birdie, like it just makes sense to keep the, well, of course you're going to keep that. Cause you know, you, you want to talk now, now she has a friend. Yeah. You know, she's alone right. here. <laughs> so this is hers, you know, and you know, kind of, you feel like probably everything in her life, except for what's in that suitcase has been taken away from her. And she's, this is what's, what's really hers. Mm -hmm. um, and it, you know, she's, she's not looking at it as an object of pain or shame. It's just like oh, new friend. Cool. Um. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is what I'm talking about. Like the ideas are so subverted in here. Like it proposes this world of like, what if you didn't have to feel shame about these things? Like what, what would it be to be unburdened by the yeah. yoke of the shame that like culturally <laughs> is 
but honest. And I, and I love that. I love that as a thought experiment. I love that as like a personal goal. Like, I just think it's really, really interesting perspective worldview, you know, that it proposes. Yeah. I also loved when the, like the ovaries fly away. Yes, you know? the ovaries. <laughs> it was so artistic and, and so cool. It's <laughs> it was definitely well, one of you our know those days moments. when you have really, really, really bad cramps. Yes, yes. like, and I feel like most of us have been there. Um, that are that are cursed to have the ovaries with the pains. So, yeah. uh, like the just those, and you just get those days where it's so bad. You're just like, oh, I just want to tear it up. Just go. Yeah, just go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> flee from here you (laughs) cursed things Um, and so obviously (laughs) the inspiration for that is super easy and then it was just figuring out like how much was going to be the puppet in the room and like you know that the the special effects of it and um it was such a scene I was looking forward to having exist in the world and it was one of those things I was like look if nobody ever sees this movie but like if just even this scene exists and puts out there in the world like this is what cramps feels like and this is what you can do yeah yeah it was it was beautiful but there was also something kind of cathartic about watching that because I think you're right I think that's something a feeling we can relate to for sure <laughs> yeah I mean the whole movie is so artistic and dreamlike and you have these surrealistic moments and although I think there's so much thoughtfulness in this movie. It's kind of more of a vibe than it is plot driven, right? And so I'm just wondering, are there is there anything specific that you were hoping audiences would take away from it after seeing your film? Yeah, I mean, definitely I wanted them to feel like they'd had an experience, like you've been through this odd dream and what just happened. Um, some Something that feels a little bit magical. I mean, I, I love surrealism, but also magical realism, like where where just the world seems normal, but stuff's happening. It's yeah. clearly like a little bit magic beyond that. So if you felt like you came out on the other side and you had like a weird but magical little dream and you're just like, oh, that was nice. Um, or <laughs> like, just so you didn't feel like you wasted your two hours or your, your ne- hundred minutes. Um, just so you felt like you, you'd had like a little, a little journey with this, with this character in here, her tiny myopic world. Um, yeah. Just wanted to kind of go through that. If on the deeper, deeper, deeper levels. Yeah. Like trying to deal with, let's not have shame about these things. Let's normalize these things. Maybe you didn't even notice that it was an all-female cast. And guess what? That's an okay movie too. Right. Uh, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, if you can get through it and enjoy it and feel a little bit of a something. And if some people watching it get something even deeper and kind of go into the art of it and kind of like the the stranger level stuff, like does being in a religious society kill creativity essentially because you're, you know, you have to normalize like what kind of questions also come up in, in that kind of scenario. So just, just, just that gentle, playful, let's poke things gently, but in sort of a weirdly respectful way. Yeah. I think you accomplish that for sure. Like it really gets you to think, but it doesn't feel like you're being disrespectful at all, at least to me. I mean, I don't know how, I mean, there's there's like a moment. Yeah. Yeah, there's this like there's a moment I think is like very emblematic of what you're talking about, and that is the little superhero mask on the the sculpture 
I feel like in a sort of visual moment, you sort of summed up so. Oh, you have the mask. <laughs> this is amazing. I put it inside the shrine when I was packing. Clearly. Oh, <laughs> so cool. I love that little detail. I mean, because it's there's like a a child like sweetness and innocence to it but it also just sort of speaks to to birdie as this this creature that cannot stop being creative you know ah i love it i love it so all right because i have to spoil everything i need to know the end (laughs) we have this very symbolic scene where birdie goes out into the snow she's bleeding it's amazing she's surrounded by the the things that are associated with the saint like all of those kinds of things Wait, wait, stop, stop, stop. I'm so impressed that you noticed the symbols of St. Philomel. Okay. Of course. Of course. Uh, I mean, I start, I, uh, here's the thing is, I told you, this movie made me so curious that it made me <laughs> fully deep dive. Like, I went full conspiracy nut and was reading about, like, trying to just, like, get, I didn't expect to get to have this conversation. So I thought I had to Sherlock Holmes the end. <laughs> so I totally deep dived on all of the iconography. So yes. Yay. I'm so glad that I got it right. Cause sometimes I go off the deep end. Yeah. No, that was absolutely her, her Philomena like little symbols. And it was uh, very hard and very cold to get them. Up. It was a really cold day. So putting them all out, getting the path cleared just enough before the snowblowers came by oh, and like putting all the little bits and bobs down and the roses were, I will tell you one thing about that. When you're going to put blood down in snow and it's prop blood, it's got like a sugar component or something. Um, yeah. Turns out when it's that cold, it freezes. Oh, no. <laughs> oh my God. It's so hard to spread. And then you're trying to spread it. And then I, I poured water on it thinking that would like dilute it down, but it was still that cold that the water just froze. Oh, no. Wow. Oh, man. That, that was a tough cool. morning to kind of set that up because, like, to do the blood in the snow, it was just like, uh, yeah, it was all freezing on me. Uh, <laughs> it was well worth so, it because it looked stunning. So, yeah, it's amazing. And it leaves you with this question at the end like, does she, is this sort of the tragic end that, like, makes her a saint? Or wh- where do you see, do, are there further adventures of Birdie in your mind? Did she move on to like something else? In my mind, yes, she's dead. Yeah. Okay. Okay. There we go. <laughs> we thought so, but <laughs> she's dead in that snow. She's in a nightdress. She's yeah, out yeah. there for like 20 minutes, yeah. half hour. She's gone. Um, okay. okay. But I also like, you know, if 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 you think about um like, oh, when I was a kid, I'd like lay down in the snow because you and I'd just look up and I'd think. This is just the most peaceful thing. Like, I, I always thought of, like, just laying in the snow and staring up as very, very, very peaceful. It's like, I could just go to sleep here. <laughs> like, oh, no. <laughs> Don't do it, matchstick boy. Don't do it. <laughs> it's cold. Like, so, so I do consider it a really, really peaceful thing. And when, like, um, like when the first script first started coming, I I remember the first images, like I knew how it started and I knew how it ended. I knew it started with the, the angel wings, blood and the mirror. And I knew it ended with the, the blood, the blood in the snow. Like I knew those two visuals and I just knew we, we got to get her there. <laughs> like, yeah. How do we get her there? Question mark. Um, so that's what Tara and I were working on. Um, but yeah, so that moment, I mean, and I do like leaving it that little tiny bit open-ended of like, well, maybe they did find her in time and like maybe 
you know, at least we didn't pull up and the, the whole convent is a burning embers at the end, which I did consider, but I thought budget. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I was like, no, it'll, I, I think the, the spreading the blood, but maybe not the fire force destruction. It doesn't really seem like her character. <laughs> no, so, yeah, I, I like yeah. it better this way. I feel like a an intimate, quiet end is much more in keeping. Yeah. 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 I mean, if you take it super, super literally, girl shows up, has, a, you know, miscarries, um, doesn't get, nobody takes her for a medical to check, like, why she had so much blood on the mattress. Why didn't anyone take her to a freaking hospital right. in Act 1? Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> so then she's either got an issue that, like, that she's continuing to bleed after a miscarriage and uh -huh. um, basically has really low iron, hallucinates, and dies in the snow. I mean, if yeah. you want to go on the completely non-spiritual, literal plot, that's yeah. really sad. Or she's now a saint. Or yeah. she had visions and callings and all sorts of things. And we don't really mm -hmm. get those these days. And that's that's kind of unusual. So Yeah, I prefer the Joan of Arc lane. Yeah. I do love though that it is kind of open ended where it's either this like the super creative teenage girl who ends up dying or you know, she passes away and these women, these nuns in this convent make her a saint, you know, work to make her a that. saint afterwards. Yeah. It's, I think both are really interesting. And I like that it's kind of left up to you to figure it out and, and decide. Yeah. And you know, Prudy'd be into it. Yes. Really excited. <laughs> like, well, I saw this and this happened and this happened. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she would go there for sure. Yeah. <laughs> So we speak with a lot of women-identified directors about how challenging this business can be for women. So we were wondering if you have found that being a woman presents kind of unique challenges when making films. Do you feel like it's maybe changing, that things are getting better since you first started working? Oh, definitely. I mean, um, and it, it also kind of shifts depending on where you are as well. Mm. Uh, we yeah we we just did two years in Greece um, and so making films there is a little different than when we were living in London and making stuff. It's a little different than being he over here. Um, so everybody's kind of at different stages of it. Like they just got the Me Too movement like a year or two ago in Greece. Like okay, based on gotcha. I placed theater person who was like abusing their position. So some some movements come later to some places than others. But yeah, I mean, I, I I'm happy that I generally don't get asked in meetings like, "Are you going to be okay handling like you know the the action sequences?" Because <laughs> there's there's going to be oh. like, you're um, like there's about to be an action sequence. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I think it is getting better and I can't wait to see like more voices flooding in and from all sorts of places. Like, cause I, I just think that the tapestry of like human stories, the more colors, the more threads, the more interesting perspectives, like the more exciting, colorful world we have, the more, the more magic is happening. So like, for me, that's very exciting to see come in. I think, I think it is still a tough business for women. Absolutely. Um, you know, getting a second feature done, it's been definitely like, yeah, I think it's going to, we, we'd stopped actually to make, uh, two other films. Like it was supposed to be my turn next, but we got green lighted to go to Greece and make a monster movie there. Oh. Um, that my husband and I had written like seven years ago and probably thought would never see the, like, I, I thought 
nobody's gonna fund this this is crazy <laughs> oh that's but um, after seven exciting. years of applications and things all of a sudden we in the middle of covid we got greenlighted wow. to go to greece and and actually make a, a big vfx heavy like monster movie so we've been in post for that that's and then, exciting yeah so so now is the time i get to develop new features so i'm super excited so that that one's called Minore, and it's premiering in Brazil next month. Oh, uh, awesome. No, at the end of this month, at the end of April, uh, we'll we'll be playing. Um, yeah, and the other exciting thing that kind of happened with COVID, um, uh, Kostas and I got asked to co-direct on a documentary feature, like the drama aspects of a documentary, um, and it was the Siege of Malta. Oh, interesting. Yeah, okay. so you know I'm into the history there, yeah. and I'm like all about that. Um, but <laughs> the most fun thing I learned on that set is I love the action sequence and the fighting. Like when I, I realized like how much connection there is between like the dance choreography and then like having a really intricate sword scene that you can do in one take. Like because we had very short shooting times, and although we had wonderful toys to play with, like there was a ship, a Spanish galleon like this is the middle of covid the spanish so galleon cool. rolls up into the port it's like <laughs> oh, a, wow and and that's the one we're going to be filming on and it's like ottomans versus like knights and there's like you know armies Holy running shit. at each other and stuff and you know helmets breaking heads open and i was like oh my god actually i love doing this um this is so fun so even as i'm thinking through new scripts and things like i'm like so how do, how do we put more action and in that? Because, you know, um, so how do we do the glitter and the blood, but then also fighting? So oh all very God. exciting things. So that was a really fun ex experience to kind of, um, yeah, obviously just the shooting locations and the history and all that, but doing something that was a little bit less intimate and small. And I, I love doing like these tiny, small introverted films that we can really control, but also oh my god the action stuff like the days you have the blood and the days you have the action and the special effects and the face being ripped off or like the <laughs> i'm going or like uh you know all the armor and stuff those are really fun days <laughs> okay all i want in life now is for you to make some sort of like witchy horse sword and sandals type of movie <laughs> yeah how do we make that happen i that's what i want now like some maybe like greek mythology i don't know i don't know enough about it to like have any major Please, ideas yes, like... i'm working on it <laughs> oh my gosh we can't wait, <laughs> can't wait. Yeah. that is what i want to hear that is so yeah. exciting <laughs> exactly Oh uh, yeah. So that, that definitely, that was one thing that happened over, over the COVID years that like kind of changed my perspective a little. It was like, Hmm. <laughs> okay. Okay. Any word on when we, we in the U S might get to see any of these projects because I'm dying to get my eyeballs on them. Okay. Minore is premiering in Brazil. So that's yes. at the end of the month. So I think we're going to, we're just set, coming out for the first time. So that'll set it's like festival course. It's in Greek, by the way, like 70% okay. okay. Greek. Okay. Um, we, we weren't able to do quite the high ratio of female cast on this. We've made up for it with having shirtless boys every 10 minutes. So okay. I feel like that's a fair trade-off. Sounds good. <laughs> and then that one should do the festival circuit, like genre festival circuit this year. And then we'll come out in cinemas in Greece and Malta at the end of the year, maybe. We'll see how that goes. And then, uh, yeah, after that should be kind of 2024 world release stuff. But what what cities are you guys in? Because... I mean, I'm near San Francisco. And I'm so. near Portland, Oregon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 
Interesting. Okay, we'll keep you posted. Okay. There's yes, please. in all those cities. So please, please. Here in Toronto, I've just finished uh, a shoot uh, where I was executive producing uh, for a first-time director. Um, it's a female-led project uh, about a Muslim girl who in her family don't know that she's a dancer and she's trying to get to an audition, but she's also, you know, um, so it involves like the culturalness blending with the dance and it's it's really, really fun. So just great. I'm, I'm trying to find... Uh, projects like that that I believe in so we'll we're supporting that one a little bit too so I love that it it all continues that's amazing I mean getting a movie made feels like catching lightning in a bottle it's so impressive and because of that I feel like it's probably hard to sometimes take that leap of faith that you can do it and especially for like young women who maybe want to make films but don't feel like it's an option for them as someone who has done it what advice do you have for them um kind of who may be feeling that that imposter syndrome or feeling like it's just out of reach I you know uh one of those things I like to do is ask other girls I see on sets or other sometimes doing storyboarding classes or in my class I'll be like has anyone here considered directing (laughs) like just you know I know because when I was in set design I I it never even crossed my mind. And my co-writer Tara, she came through the same program as me, but in costumes. And like, it just never occurred to us that either of us was qualified to direct. What do, what do we know? We're not the special people who get to direct. Um, <laughs> it, 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 it didn't even occur as an option in my mind. So if you're out there and you're thinking, I, I don't know, could I, or like have like that little, that little spark, that little inkling, like ask yourself, do I want to direct? And, and, and then, do something, do it on your phone, practice, like watch movies, like do whatever you can. Like, but if you persist and, you know, planning and patience and perseverance are is like gold, <laughs> like just, just keep at it. And if you really, really love it and you really love what you're saying, like go for it. Like just whatever in whatever small way you can I mean we have such great access to cameras now even just on your phone even um you know buy stuff secondhand on eBay that's like you know a camera from five years ago that somebody's just selling really 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 cheap keep your eye out for cheap lenses um most of ours are vintage lenses that my husband scoured on eBay and and what you have do you have a friend who has a great rock band? Do you have a dad who has a shop full of coats? Do you, um, you know, have access to a really cool building once a week? Do you like what's in your life that's cinematic and interesting that you can access and make a simple story from now? Like if you have no money and no time and no support, obviously don't co try to make a Marvel movie, but do you have a three-year-old at home that you always have access to? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, what, what, what do you have in your life that you could make art from? Um, and just start with that. And if it's working and it feels good, like keep going. It's really hard, but persevere. <laughs> like, oh, it's, a advice. Mar- it's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. <laughs> like, I love that. I love it. it takes us back to the beginning too, where you talked about, you're like, what is the thing that I have? What do I build off of? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. That is amazing. Yeah, that's so great. So I know that we have peppered you with a ton of questions today, but is there something that we didn't ask about Birdie or filmmaking that you kind of wanted to talk about? Well, that's a good question. 
<laughs> yeah. Like, is there a thing like with the jars where you're like, nobody's asking about this? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I do think, I do think if you're working with a really low budget, um, just being really, really careful with your planning, like, don't underestimate the importance of planning. Um, especially coming from storyboards, you know, you draw 10,000 shots, like, and some of them get thrown away and some of them you redraw and like, you know, you don't, you don't get super precious about each individual one. You're like, does this work for the thing? It doesn't work for the thing, get rid of it. But having those stages before you get on set, before you have all these people standing there staring at you, taking the time. Um, and, you know, if you have limited resources, just plan as best as you can. Like be, be, if, if you don't have access to VFX, don't put VFX in your movie. If, you <laughs> right. have, if it's the one thing you can do, do, just do it sparingly. Um, like just be really careful, plan, plan, plan. Cause you will thank yourself later. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That is good. Like practical news you can use. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, if everybody is now as obsessed with you as we are, is there somewhere online where they can like, where's your, what are your socials? How can people keep up to so that they can know when the new movies are coming out and all that good stuff? You can find me online at Elizabeth E. Shook um, on Instagram. So just my name, S-C-H-U-C-H. And yeah, I also have a website, elizabethshook.com. My company that we, I, I run a company in London and Athens that does VFX and storyboards and all those things. So that's called Melancholy Star. And we're always making new films and, you know, up to something. So you can find us at Melancholy Star and my name. Awesome. Perfect. 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 Everybody follow all that good stuff. Great content. Yay. Trust me. Elizabeth is about to do amazing things. And you can say you knew you were there way back when. You were a fan. You were an OG fan. <laughs> Elizabeth, thank you so yeah, much really. for taking the time and being so generous with your time and answering all of our ridiculous questions. Like, you know, we already love the film, but to kind of be able to del delve deeper just like makes that feel connection to the, the you know the the art that you created even stronger so thank you thank you so much yeah this was okay. this was wonderful I mean I I've lived with this movie in my head for the past like six or seven years and it is so exciting that I finally got to talk to you and we got to ask all of these questions you know these burning questions that we had so thank you for taking <laughs> the time <laughs> guys thank you for watching and thank you i mean it, you really saw so much in the film that we were hoping like beyond hope that like someone would actually notice like all this little all the little details and the histories and the things that went into it so uh i just thank you so much for watching it and for doing the deep dive and like i, I can't even say i was so thrilled to see to see that pop up and <laughs> you guys just you made my year. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> well, I hope this is just the first of conversations that we have that you'll come back when your next film comes out so we can talk and deep, deep dive on that one as well. <laughs> you are more than welcome anytime. Absolutely. Oh, thank you guys. All right, everybody. So that was our chat with Elizabeth. Did I overhype it? No, I did not. It was <laughs> that good. Oh my gosh. It was so satisfying to get to talk to her and like ask her all of the questions. And a lot of times we don't get a very long time with directors. And for such an interesting, weird movie, I was really happy that we got a big chunk of time to just like pepper her with a million questions. She yeah. is fascinating. <laughs> and so, like so generous with her time because she oh, did yeah. let us ask like 
like usually we'll have a long list of questions mm-hmm. and like halfway through we're like you and I are like behind the scenes like having cutting questions <laughs> cutting moving questions. questions up prioritizing que- she answered literally all of our questions like yep. no stone unturned and like every time I thought she would zig she zagged it was, <laughs> all of her stories are fascinating like let's start with the jars for instance like there were a handful of answers most of them pretty mundane like they yes. were jars of fake blood they Animal I mean that's blood. really yeah which would be you know like mm, a little uncomfortable but, like, but also like a like, butcher yeah. you know like yeah, you yeah. Butcher and get some blood like, was not expecting the answer we got so delighted by it I was almost speechless it was so cool <laughs> it was not what I expected her to say but like that was the best answer she could have given I feel like yeah Right, especially the one for I... the type of movie that she made that's so focused on menstruation and femininity yes. and yeah, wild. Like, it was interesting how autobiographical this like down oh, to the I jars know. of blood. It's not an autobiograph autobiography by any stretch, but like there is no question that like her DNA is all over yes. this. Only she could have made this film because it is so personal. Yeah, there's like a through line between her life experiences and what happens in the movie, even though it's not autobiographical. And she's so like wildly creative and artistic. Mm-hmm. It's kind of no wonder that we got the movie we got, you know? Yeah. And it's such a testament to like working with what you've like yeah. working with what you've got. She happens to be an incredible artist. That obviously is a leg up on things. <laughs> yeah. But that's one aspect of what she brought to it. Like all of her personal stories, her hometown, like mythology that she grew up with, all of those things were things that all of us could potentially have, right? We, we all have spooky stories from like sure. the town we grew up and like urban legends from the ground, the town we grew up. The way that she incorporated those into her film, like is a true testament to like genuinely taking what you got and turning it into something. It's just so cool. I don't know. I loved it. I loved it. I loved that we got to see the reliquary. That was so cool. And the fetus. <laughs> she and still the has fetus. the fetus. <laughs> <laughs> so see, cool. this is where I'm sad that this is not a visual medium, I know. you guys. Because it was because she just like we're like talking about it and then she just like pulls it into frame, pops it open, and there's the finger. <laughs> 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 that was so cool. Oh my gosh. And the story about the haunted church too. I got yes! a little bit of that, just like a tiny taste in the yeah. research, but she really like tells the whole story. It was very yeah. cool. Yeah. I love the bathroom that didn't like me. <laughs> <laughs> and they got so scared they wouldn't go back in. So funny. Oh, I love it. I love it. And okay, I gotta gloat a little bit. Yes. We got yes, the you fate do. of go Julia and Ber- Bernie. I'm just saying. I'm not saying, but I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? You were right. <laughs> you Someday were right. <laughs> will I ever get you to admit that Pet Cemetery is good? That Then at that point, I will have my work will be done and you I will like, like ascend to sainthood. <laughs> yes. Yes. Saint. Yes. Book of Rachel. Yes. It will be written. <laughs> no, but I honestly like I'm being obnoxious and I'm doing it for comic effect but like I did actually really like getting those answers because I know sometimes I get a little cranky with ambiguity I didn't mind it really in this film but there is something so satisfying because I just don't believe that the directors don't when they say like oh I just want you guys to figure it out I know they know right they might want us to figure it out but they clearly had an idea going into it and especially as a writer and director of the movie you Mm -hmm. absolutely knew and I thought it was cool like 
finding out about Birdie at the end of the movie, that was really great because I think we were all kind of on the same page about that. But I was totally wrong about Julia. And that was really interesting because I think once I thought about it more after she was talking, it does make sense the direction that you, you know, were going in. Yeah. With your thought process. Yeah. No. And I just I love there's so much intention and thought and love that goes into this. Yeah. It's fun to have the ambiguity and like we kind of got the best of both worlds, right? Like we got to talk about it, speculate, make mm-hmm. our cases and then to also, but then also to have her come in and be like, no, no, It was no, so satisfying. Is- yes. Yeah. Yes. Like this is, it was the ideal perfect situation mm-hmm. for me. I got, I got both of the experiences that I like and yeah. that is so, like that is unbelievably rare. So I don't know. I feel like you guys already know how we feel about this movie, but I'm just going to say it again. It's available now on Tubi. Do do the thing. Go to the tubies, put it on, like make sure you're in the mood to just like it have a very like atmospheric and beautiful lyrical film experience and get into Book of Birdie if you haven't already. Yeah. Any yeah, other thoughts? it's awesome. No, I'm just really grateful that Elizabeth gave us so much time. Yes. She was awesome. It was a great interview. I don't yes. know if we'll ever have an experience like that again where we had so many questions and really got to ask all of them. It was fantastic. Yeah. And for a movie that lived in my head for so many years, like <laughs> yeah. just like questioning what had happened by myself, it was great to be able to review it with you and Caitlin. But then to yeah. actually get to talk to the director was kind of a dream come true. So yeah, agree. Hard agree. This is like, I love what we do. Me like, too. <laughs> I wish we could do this every day, all day. Right? This is, I mean, these are the moments where you're just like, yeah, I love this. I love everything about this. I love talking to these women. I love the art that they make. Yeah. Um, and I love getting to do this with you. Me too. And we can't say anything specific, but she did talk to us and show <gasps> us a little bit about the things she had oh coming up. My God. And they are amazing. Like, when I say awesome, I don't mean like, oh, that's awesome. I mean, like, it actually is like awe inspiring. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Like, there is, there is one reveal that I will not, I will not get more specific than that. But when we, like, when even Ariel, like, hardened, we've seen it all. We're Jaw like, dropped. What? Yeah. The hell is that? <laughs> I'm Amazing. so, so excited. Yeah. For sure. Me too. Me too. Like, uh, she is one to watch. Like she has mm-hmm. an incredibly creative mind and whatever she does next, we are going to be all oh, yeah. over it. All <laughs> over it. All right. So that is it for us today. If you guys enjoyed this interview or you have some thoughts or some suggestions or you just want to say like, ladies, you guys are rad. You can always email us at Rachel at zombiegirls.com or you can come chat with us over on the Zombie Girls Facebook group. Or, of course, you can slide into the DMs like our girl Elizabeth uh, at ZG Podcasts, at ZG Podcasts, plural, on Instagram and Twitter. If you are enjoying the show, like if you're like, wow, this interview was rad. These girls are rad. Rad, rad, rad. (laughs) I want to give them five stars. Do so. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you are getting your pods. And if you're looking for something spooky to watch tonight because you've already gone to Tubi and watched Book of Birdie, then you should check out our video on demand and streaming calendar at zombiegirls.com. If you want to support us and you've already written reviews, because that would be a really awesome way to do it, um, you can do so by purchasing some sweet, sweet merch at zombiegirls.com forward slash merch. Or you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash zombiegirls. 
So we actually got a new patron this week. So I'm going to shout them out and thank them for their support. Curacao, thank you so much for your support of the show. It means the world to me. When I saw the little email come through, my heart did a pitter patter. I'm going to get in touch with you because we got to get you on the show, my friend. Yes. Yes. (laughs) That's so exciting. (laughs) Thank you so much for your support. It really does mean a lot to us. And you should have already gotten an invite to join the Discord. But if you didn't, I'm going to send you another one. You got to hop on and say hi. And uh, for you out there who are teetering on the edge of like, should I be a patron or yes or no? The answer is yes. Because if you do, you get a shout out like Kurson. But also, you get to join the Patreon. You get to hear extended episodes. You get to hear bonus episodes, including a recent one where we got to ask Ariel a lot of questions oh, and boy. her asking anything. <laughs> well, don't worry. Revenge is sweet because up next is Mars is asking me anything. I'm I so know. Excited. <laughs> I know. Me too. The mystery. We shall solve the mystery that is Mars. So yeah, join our Patreon. It is awesome. So that just leaves nothing. That's it for us. <laughs> Ariel, nice. take us out. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening to our another episode of More Deadly Director's Cut. Thank you so much to Elizabeth E. Shook. If you're listening, this was a fantastic interview. We so, so appreciate your time. And uh, hopefully we'll get to interview some more cool directors this year. We'll see Absolutely. what else we can do for you. All right. Absolutely. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thanks to everyone for listening, and thanks to my co-host Ariel, who's always willing to come on here and geek out about horror with me. And finally, thanks to the women who make the horror films we love so much. Production of this episode was done by yours truly, editing was done by Ariel Missman-Rucker, and our theme song, More Deadly, was by Elizabeth Kyle and Eric Newell.